No. That's not it. Ah. There we go. They didn't ask us. Was not recorded in front of a live studio audience. And now, here are your hosts, Jay Crowder and John Mueller. Welcome back to another episode of They Didn't Ask Us. I'm Jay. And I'm John. We are so glad to have you back for our sixth episode of They Didn't Ask Us. We're still on season one. I don't know why I've decided to go with seasons. Uh, Because we're going to have a finale at some point and it's going to have a massive cliffhanger. Yes. Still working on the... On the logistics of that one. We're still getting our writers <laughs> on that, and they're they're getting that together. But welcome back. We're so glad to have you. Um, it, this is awesome. We're still doing it. We're still going strong. We're up to an audience of... Uh, well, actually, I have it pulled up right now so I can look. Uh, and it closed. Aw. Never mind. <laughs> we'll make it up. We're up to an audience of uh, 12 estimated audience 12 people i do know it's more than that hey but that's already that's already good for me yeah i think we're up to 30 or 32 well welcome all of you glad yeah. to have you yeah uh share share our podcast with your friends uh, especially if you're into this sort of stuff we got lots of nerds all around us so it's true i'm sure there are plenty of you out there and we are so glad to have you but first we are going to jump into our new segment for the week not a whole lot of news going on, uh, but I did want to start out with John Turturro. That is what I what is I researched as well to play Carmine Falcone. Falcone. I he just doesn't have a gangster look to me. <laughs> Not at all. I saw um, where the new creative force, I guess Matt Reeves is the new director. He is um, said that it's going to be an original story not an origin story yeah so i guess that takes out adaptation of the long halloween but given the castings they have so far it could be maybe like inspired by or in the vein of i think so i know there's a there's actually another podcast that i listen to and which i try not to do so that i don't take away any of their material (laughs) um but they did mention that uh, they really think that it, they are going the direction of the Long Halloween, just nice. because the cat, the characters that they have casted so far, would lean towards that. But at the same time, they're very generic characters, so it could be anybody. Yeah, uh, who knows? Reeves is also on record as saying it's going to be a a almost Hitchcockian film noir style movie. Okay. So as someone who studied the genre when I was in college, that's actually really intriguing. That's right. I forgot you did that. I did. Another reason why you're so good to have on this podcast. Thank you. <laughs> DC. Oh, did you have something? Actually, I had one more uh, casting for the Batman that I hadn't, I was not aware of previously. Oh, oh really? Was Colin Farrell has been cast as uh, the Penguin. Really? Yes. So the another Penguin? another cross Marvel DC actor. I don't know about that. I don't either, to be honest with you. I mean, if I think he's more of a gangster than John Turturro is. So they're going with a sexy Penguin. So I'm not going to go that far. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know what what direction are they going. Uh, they're going in one direction. Shameless plug for boy bands, right oh, there. No, uh, <laughs> get out, go. Oh my gosh. But yeah, I have no idea. I saw that when I was looking through the confirmed castings for this movie and i was just that was one of the more surprising ones for me yeah that uh, to, to Actually, me i'll be honest with you every 
casting for this movie so far has, has been a head scratcher. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now that I'm like sitting down thinking about it, I don't really love any of them. With the with the exception of Jeffrey Wright as Gordon. Well, and it's interesting because or de- each of the actors that they've cast, I like all of them individually. Right. But I can't necessarily see them in a movie together. I guess he's just trying to go a completely opposite, different direction of where all the other movies have gone. I would just, I genuinely hope it works out. Me too. Because the last time you get a whole lot of out of the box castings, I mean, can you think of one that had that many all in the same movie? Not really, no. I, I can't really either. No. That has me worried. It's kind of gotten to the point where it's like, this is either going to be a really, really awesome movie, or it's just going to crash yeah. and burn. <laughs> yeah, I'm feeling it's going to be one of those, not a whole lot of in-between. Because it's, you know, you can get a fabulous cast of people, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be a good movie. Exactly. You can have a tremendous ensemble cast, but if they don't work well together, exactly, or if the material that they have to work from is trash, the movie is going to be trash. Right. Did you have anything else as far as that movie? Not as far as the Batman is, so we are free to move on. Okay, well, next I've got uh, Stargirl is officially coming to... Is it the CW? The CW, it is. She will debut in their Crisis on Infinite Earths crossover, which I believe is going to be starting soon. Yes. uh, Which is uh, Rip Rip Arrow. Just pour pour some out for your homies there. (laughs) Um, I'm actually super sad that Arrow is ending... I'm glad it's going out kind of on its own terms. Have you been staying true to, to watching the whole series? Absolutely not. Okay. <laughs> I watched the first three seasons, because I, th- I believe it started when I was in school, so I didn't have cable, Yeah, living that college student life, um, but I did Amen. have access to watch it the next day, and it was next day air watching for me for the first three seasons. I think you were actually the one that got me into arrow because you had brought it up to me saying that it was such a good show and i didn't believe you initially it was and and then it got season four is what did it for me i believe it was season four so the season one uh follows one of the graphic novel plots that i've read fairly well Mm -hmm. uh, as, as an origin style story season two's deathstroke is the overarching villain and he's played magnificently Season three, they went with Raish as the show villain, the season villain, mm-hmm. and that started. I started losing faith in the show when they gave Raish as a Green Arrow villain because he's my favorite Batman villain. Yeah, and I feel like he was not done well. No. And then season four, they went into I think it was Damian Dark, and there was just all this magic element to it, for and me, that's that's when I was out. For me, it was I don't know what season it was, but it was when he started running for mayor. And that's when I was just like, no. He... I, I think that might have been the same. It might have been either the same or the season after. Because that was Damien. No, that wasn't Damien Dark. That was Sebastian Blood. Yeah. Was the villain on both fronts. Because he was Brother Blood as the Green Arrow villain. And Sebastian Blood, the rival for mayor. Yeah. So when he when he started running for mayor and... I don't know. He just... He, he didn't feel like Green Arrow to me anymore. He was... A little <laughs> too big for his britches. He was. I don't know. He just wasn't that tough guy anymore. I was like, who are you? So I just didn't care. Yeah. Uh, plus, that was they had reached the point, too, where he was no longer on the island uh, in his flashback memories. And so they were kind of just doing whatever with that. I didn't care for t- too much for it. but yeah. The last bit that I have uh, to pull from this week is they've released, I believe it's concept art for the U.S. agent. 
in for the character in Falcon Winter Soldier. Oh yeah, who is the Captain America want to be? I believe proposed by the government. Okay. Because my loose understanding of kind of what this show is going to be about is that obviously, spoiler alerts for Endgame, which you should have seen by now. Uh, Steve Rogers gives Sam Wilson the shield, and with the presumption that Steve wants Sam to be the next Captain America, but the government doesn't necessarily want Sam to be the next Captain America. They want to have more of a control on the imagery, the iconography Hmm. related to that persona, so it's just kind of going to be this conflict between who they want to be it, and then Bucky and Sam is what I think it's going to be. And the U.S. agent is confirmed as a character in it. I don't know a whole lot about that character. That's not in the, the Brubaker run that I have read. Or at least if he was, I was not paying attention. So this new agent, does he kind of, he becomes the villain? I believe so. Okay. Because did you watch season one of Jessica Jones? Yes. So you know how the, the one guy kind of went roid ragey? Yes. I believe that's the same type of capacity this character has. Ah. Did so that it, character die? I don't know. I started season two and then never finished it because I have no emotional attachment to the maybe character. Maybe they could, maybe he could be the, and then they could finally connect the Netflix series. I, at this point. And with, then we could see Daredevil in the MCU. I think the the Marvel Netflix series are going to exist as they are forever. I don't know. I, I have heard some rumors that they've been talking, they've been in talks with the the actors who played the different characters. I don't know if that means they're going to try to reboot it somehow on the Disney Plus series. I mean, I know Netflix still has the rights for like yeah. another two years or something like that. But so. they've also, some of the actors have moved on to other shows. That's true. Both on CBS, I believe. Oh, really? So Mike Coulter, who played Luke Cage. He's on Evil. And I believe what her, like Simone Missick, I believe her name was, mm-hmm. uh, who played Misty Knight, yeah. is also on another show on CBS. She yeah. plays a, a judge. A judge, yeah. That's kind of my indication. It's like they're not really All banking on rise. it. rise. That's what it's called. Thank you. Yes. I was struggling. I, it's just, it's, it was a very punny title. It was. And I was like, okay, I, I'm going to remember that one. Eventually. <laughs> um, well, I, this really doesn't have anything to do with um, comic book news exactly, but I thought that it was worth talking about. Oh, no. This cyber truck. Have you oh, seen yes, this? With, with Elon Musk and yes, Tesla. Yes, Tesla. Oh my gosh. My favorite, because it's been, it's been memed, as anything in of this course. era is. Uh, my favorite comparison is it shows like an actual truck, and it shows the graphics of the newer Tomb Raider games. <laughs> yeah. So it has Laura Croft as this like gritty and 3D type of, type of character, and then it has the Tesla truck. And it has, like, 1995 Laura Croft when she's just, like, a Minecraft box person. Yeah. And it just has them side by side, and it's like, yeah, that's, that's, that's about right. That's accurate. I don't know what they were thinking with this design, but yes, it does look like something out of Minecraft, or, I don't know. It's very, Windows 95 graphics. Very sci-fi. Moving on, we also, uh, just today, actually, The Walking Dead... Um, has a new series coming out on AMC. It had been teased, but it hadn't been titled yet. I believe it has been titled. It now. has The Walking Dead: The World Beyond. Um, so the premise of this show is going to be: it's been ten years since the initial breakout. 
Apocalypse. At that point, isn't that where the main plot is now? Ten years? How long has the show been? Well, going? I mean, this it's been like nine seasons. Yeah. So that's what I, I mean, I, but what they're what the idea is is that it's been ten years, and there's these adolescents who have basically been raised in this whole zombie world, so they know it inside and out. And so the idea is is that they're I guess they're the top survivalists, and they know exactly how to survive in this scenario. So it's just trying to bring. The world of The Walking Dead, typically a more mature area, because it's TV mature, is it not? It is. So, well, this this new show, I imagine, will not be going to drop I, it down to like the young adult audience. Since there's teenagers, I think they're they're maybe they're trying to make it more age appropriate, I guess. But it looks very interesting. I don't know. It's going to be a very interesting concept. Uh, truthfully, I would love it. I don't know if you ever read World War Z. I did not. Uh, it is a fantastic book, but it would be a book that could be turned into a series. And personally, I wish that they would go with that. Not a movie? Not a movie. That movie is terrible. <laughs> no, okay, let me rewind. It's a good movie, but it's, it's a not good World movie. War Z. No, it's not. It's completely different. It's their own thing. It's kind of like I Am Legend. I don't know if you read that book either. I have not read the book or seen the, I believe it, the original movie. Okay, so the movie I Am Legend with... Uh, uh, Will Smith mm-hmm. is a completely different story from the I Am Legend book. Of course, the book is about vampires. Actually, mm-hmm. I know, shocking, isn't it? It is. Yeah, yeah. I feel like because uh, I Am Legend was made really at the beginning, I would say, of the zombie craze. What was it what like two thousand six? I'm not even sure. So, I mean, here we are, comfortably over a decade later, still talking about zombies yeah, i figure it would have petered out by now i don't know i know i'm not watching walking dead i haven't watched it since um i haven't watched it in a number of seasons but i have kept up with it i guess since negan has been introduced i haven't been watching it yeah i i don't think i've watched it like actually watched it since uh the governor was the main villain oh see i liked the governor i thought he was a great character and i thought he was done very well but then I knew what they were getting into with Negan, and I was like, I have... It was what I ran into with Game of Thrones. Yeah. It was, you know, I have an emotional attachment to too many of these characters. Yeah. It's going to be easier to just cold turkey this show <laughs> than it is to watch what's about to happen. Yes. Yes. I agree. So, moving away from AMC, we are actually Star Wars news, of course. How? Well, the uh, I almost said The Empire. Empire Magazine has released photos of the movie, the new movie, uh, Rise of Skywalker, and they are showing the Knights of Ren. So we finally get a full view of the Knights of Ren. Um, Have you seen this photo? I don't believe so, uh, but I'm content not to at this point because I already have such low expectations for this movie. I feel like the fewer things I go into it knowing, the more likely I am to like it. Well, it's... um, it's very interesting. I like, I mean, I like the Knights of Ren. They look really cool. Uh, but once again, it's one of those pieces that I wish they had done more in the second movie. Right. Because they made such a big deal about it in the first movie. So do you think they're going to be more of a flashback for the Kylo character from before he got tied in with the First Order? I do not. You think I it'll not. be as they are now? I think so. Okay. Yeah. Uh, because they're definitely still out there. You know, they actively, Snoke talked about how he was the greatest of the Knights of Ren. So, I would hope so. They're I'm, named I'm, after him. Well, I mean, I'm guessing that they are, um, I'm guessing that they're pupils of Skywalk of uh, Luke's. 
that turn to the dark side. That's what I'm assuming. But who knows where the Inquisitors come from. That's fair. And all this kind of stuff. And then also, it is official that the running time of the movie is 2 hours and 21 minutes. Tied for the shortest, is it not? It is tied with A New Hope. Which was the first, so it was the longest at one point in time. That is true. (laughs) Until the second movie came out. So we're going back. Originally, it was rumored that it was going to be 2 hours and 35 minutes. Now it's going back to 2 hours and 21 minutes, which is fine because... I mean, it doesn't really matter. Because it's never about how much time you have in the movie. It's about what you do in the movie. At the same time, though, I will raise you that when it when Endgame's runtime was announced and it was confirmed to be... It was a three-plus-hour movie, was it not? It was... Or was it right at three? I think it was right at three. So that's something you have to kind of mentally prepare for going in. Yeah. Because not everybody has the capacity just like, you know what? Or I'm going to sit down and... That's fair. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to sit down and give this what movie, TV show, sporting event, whatever, my complete undivided attention for three hours. Yeah. Not everyone has that capability, but if you go into it knowing this is what I'm going to have to do, it's a lot easier to do. So knowing, in this instance, you don't have to do that, mm-hmm. that it's, what would that be, 141 minutes? That's really not that bad in terms of the scope of a cinematic release movie. And as long as it's good, I don't care what the runtime is. The movie could be an hour long, but as long as it does everything that is required... That would be an incredible disappointment. It would. I would say the the kind of baseline I have for blockbuster-style movies is going to be probably about 100 minutes. Truthfully, with the trend that everybody's been going into with splitting movies up into two parts, I'm almost surprised that they didn't do Star Wars Episode Nine Part 1. That would have Star been, Wars Episode mm, Nine Part Two. It would have been too much of a cash grab, and Star Wars fans oh, are sure. already like on uneasy terms with Disney about that. I feel like. Oh yeah, I think that would have just pushed everything over the edge. Yeah, it's not like where you know with Harry Potter when they did that. It's because the source material is so rich and so dense from an adaptation standpoint. They're just like we have to respect right what we're doing. There's so much material that has to be covered. Right, and this one. They could, they're making up as much or as little material as they want. Right. So they don't have to worry about, oh, we didn't include this fan favorite subplot. Now, I know that we could go into a whole conversation about how you wanted the movie, the new trilogy to be done. But is there something in particular that like from, like, did you read any of the Legends stuff? I have not, no. Okay, so I wasn't sure, like, did you have expectations from that? That you thought wanted you wanted to come in, or I have not, um, just because I didn't read any of the extended universe, which uh, everyone is disappointedly, or everyone is disappointed now that it is no longer canon. Yeah, I have a very limited understanding of kind of what goes on, kind of the peak characters. So I feel like at this point, if you're going to introduce someone, cinema like the the cinematic introduction of Thrawn, uh, I know he's been featured in Rebels. Mm-hmm. I'm not there yet, so I don't know when he gets there. I'm very excited about that. Um, or someone like Marriage Aid. At this point, it would just be fan service. Yeah. You know, with the, with the character not having been introduced in the rising action or really the climax of this trilogy-long plot, anything in this movie is ultimately falling action from a plot perspective. Any new character introduction isn't going to have any type of depth, I feel like. Especially with these movies. 
It's, yeah, there already aren't a whole lot of new characters in this trilogy that have a tremendous amount of depth. There are some. Uh, I'm on record with this podcast saying I really like the Kylo Ren character. Yeah. But he has the most depth because he is tied to original series characters. That came before. Right. So we already kind of know his backstory. Right. Because we know Leia and we know Han. R.I.P. And we can kind of mentally fill in the gaps of what that not only relationship was like, but what it was like to have parents right. that were Han and Leia. So, I mean, in that in that vein, there is the capacity to give someone like Rey a lot more depth if they spring origin on us in this movie. Right. Which, I'm so torn because I want them to, to give her that depth, but I don't want them to because, like I said, it's largely going to be fan service at this point. Oh, for sure. Her character, I feel like, is our like can be already established as she is right now, but there is still that kind of looming question of you know was that reveal in the Last Jedi true or not? It could go either way. I think I know what direction they were going. They were trying to say that you don't have to come from a significant background to be a Jedi, which is true. But at the same time, I do understand the argument that everybody else has, which is. This story is about this lineage, so why not continue that lineage? Because we're all focused on this one group. So I see what they're saying, or what they're doing, but who knows? Well, and that's kind of the the Anakin Skywalker origin, is he was a nobody in the Outer Rim who was off the charts, Star Wars term that I refuse to name, um, <laughs> and I mean, that was his whole spiel, was he was a nobody yeah. who got picked up. And became a somebody. And, and that somebody altered the, sca- the scope of that entire galaxy. I so, I mean, that plot has already been done. In addition to The Force Awakens having been a new hope. But I digress. Moving on. That, I'm actually done with news. Alright, um, so um, we're recording this before Thanksgiving. So we can spend some more time with our families. Yes. Uh, as such, we will not be including Mandalorian Episode 4 in this little recap right here. But we will discuss Episode 3. So, Jay, what were your uh, thoughts about Episode 3? Yes, so what did I think about Mandalorian? I really... I Okay. It was really cool. <laughs> I really, really, really enjoyed it. I think I texted you right after I watched it and was like, this is the coolest thing ever. Because, should we just go spoilers? Absolutely. Okay. He gets his armor. He gets the whole armor set. And he, it is nice and shiny. It is nice and shiny, and he comes out, and he looks awesome. That, to me, was like the coolest part of the whole episode. I was just like, yes! I was so excited. But I guess just to kind of give a quick review for those that may not have watched it. So, at the end of the last episode, he had Baby Yoda, and he's taking Baby Yoda back to the Empire, and he is going to give Baby Yoda to them and say, here he is, uh, pay me. And so that's exactly what he does. Um, I was actually a little surprised, uh, very shocked about him actually doing that. I, I was not. It, it fits with the way they've built up his character right now as a pure mercenary. Sure. But at the same time, you could tell, even though, which, I don't know, I guess it just goes into how, how good the writing is and then also how how well it's acted is um, you could tell that there was just this sense of, like, he felt responsible for this baby. 
And so when he actually does deliver the baby to the Empire, I almost expected him to already have something planned before he even got to that point. And he didn't. He just took the baby to the Empire. Baby get or got em- his money. Empire got the baby. He got his payment in metal. And then he, he does ask before the doctor comes out and takes the baby away. He says, what are your plans with him? And uh, even the, the, I don't even know the character's name, the Empire guy. I don't know. Anyway. He's like, the don't gruff, worry about it. The gruff voice Empire guy is like, that's unlike your kind to worry about what's going to happen after the package has been delivered. And so then that's when you're like, okay, he does really care about this creature. And it's because he's a foundling. Yeah. As, as an aside, when he says it's unlike your kind, do you think he means bounty hunters or do you think he means Mandalorians? I think he means Mandalorian in general. Okay. To me, I don't know. I could be wrong. But I thought he meant Mandalorian. And, of course, then he takes the metal and he goes down to the smelting area where he can then have his metal transformed into his armor. And, yeah, the other bounty hunters, I'm I'm guessing... There's Mandalorians. Yeah. There are other Mandalorians. I don't know necessarily if any of them are bounty hunters. Yeah. It's remarked on um, that only one of them goes outside at a time. So that's why you see so many of them, just a high concentration of them in that area. Whereas other characters have remarked, oh, it's rare to see a, a true Mandalorian. Hmm. And you just kind of have to think, well, why is why is that? There's like 30 of them in this one hallway. Um, and the, the big, I don't know, the minigun guy uh, <laughs> remarks, he was like, why does only one of us get to go? And it's you. And you can sense how bitter that character was because he wanted to be front and center. Which he ends up being later in the episode. So the episode, he, the Mandalorian, the title character, uh, you remarked on how, how well acted it was. Three episodes in, we haven't seen his face based on Mandalorian culture. I imagine we might not ever see his face. There is a big possibility. Uh, I think there will be some, an exception to it. And that's probably, it'll probably be a very emotional moment, I'm assuming. But I, I bring that up because you remarked on how well acted it is in the scene where he gets into his ship to take off after delivering Baby Yoda to the Empire. You could almost see the emotion on his face without seeing his face. Mm-hmm. So, you know, based on the, the direction of the scene, where it's the sound, whether it's the acting, the, the all of it combined. You just kind of see that thought process. So he gets off the ship, goes back, stages a little aggressive rescue operation, and he makes it all the way within sightline of his ship before they reactivate the bounty. Mm-hmm. And all those bounty hunters on this planet are like, oh wait, I can still get paid. Right, because the baby is no longer in the Empire's possession, and so they immediately flag that, hey, this bounty is still available if you want it. And uh, they all come after him. And he he does not go down without a fight. He does not. He doesn't miss, which I felt was remarkable. Um, he takes out probably a dozen, two dozen of them before they get him cornered. And you, you get to worry, and you're like, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? He's what's in a tight happen? spot. And then, kind of the music changes. 
Uh, they didn't do the full-on dawn thing that they did in the Two Towers when the reinforcements arrive at the end. <laughs> but they have just this swoop of Mandalorians with their jetpacks and their blasters and the, the minigun guy I referenced uh, just now. They just come in and they just blow everybody away. The Mandalorian, the title Mandalorian and Baby Yoda escape, but they're now wanted by any remaining bounty hunters from that mm-hmm. guild. And they are all... F- Pew pew. Pew 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 pew. They take everybody out. They do. It was awesome. But it was interesting because they have a code. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's one thing that they kept talking about was how the Mandalorian have a code. And they have to follow that code. And then, of course, the Mandalorian end up breaking that code. The, no, the guild. The guild. The guild has a code. The guild The has Mandalorians a code. have a separate code. Right. So he ends up breaking one kind of to follow the other mm-hmm. was my interpretation of of what happened right so uh whenever he gets paid in his in his precious metals he always says you know say put some aside for the foundlings as those are i, I believe orphans, orphans in the mandalorian yeah. culture and as you referenced he was one previously he was one and now yoda is one too mm-hmm. so baby yoda that is that is one of their key cultural elements is just the protection of people who can't protect themselves right and in that moment when he's just prone on the cart him and baby yoda not gonna make it that's what the rest of the mandalorians do is they swoop in and they protect someone who cannot protect themselves so going forward um the carl weathers character the leader of the bounty hunter guild uh does manage to escape so it kind of leads you to wonder do you think that was on purpose what do you mean do you think he... So, in that scene, the Mandalorian gets away. Mando. Mando. I think that's what he's been calling him, so yes. we'll call him Mando. Uh, Mando gets away because he fires a blaster bolt at... Carl Weathers. Carl, I don't know, I don't know Carl, what his character yeah, name Carl is. Carl Weathers. And he falls down, and then you think he's dead, but then he pulls out, and the bolt hit the metal... That he was paid by the man by Mando. No, he was paid by the Empire. Oh, that's right, as like a finder's fee but for he, someone who completed the bounty. He pulled it out of his jacket. I at first I was like, oh, he actually didn't die because of the metal. Lucky he had that in his pocket. My wife was actually the one that said, or did Mando do that on purpose so that it didn't kill him? I don't know. I, I feel like that's something that they'll explain or establish in either the next episode or the coming episodes uh because it is previously established in the episode mando knows that he has the medal and he knows where it is he does but at the same time he had activated his in-ship carbonite freezer so he couldn't really see where he was aiming he just knew whereabouts carl weathers was and he was like this is probably going to hit him Mm -hmm. i don't think it's i don't think it's possible for him to be that precise unless his super fancy helmet has some type of thermal vision in which case he obviously knew what he was doing he could have yeah i don't know what goes on in mandalorian helmets i don't either i hope we get that view at some point yeah that would be that would be super cool I would we, like that. we've seen through the scope multiple times yes and that gun is a it is a problem <laughs> for people on the other end yes as soon as i saw that gun i would be like okay all right all right you got me disintegration so i feel like i'm i feel like i'm previously on the record of saying episode two was a complete waste of time Mm -hmm. 
episode three completely redeems episode two it to does. me because so much happens. And I remember I listened through our, our previous episode saying that, you know, I want more action. I want more action. Well, there was more action. You got it. I did. So, so far, I'm still over the moon with The Mandalorian. So far, it has still been very good. I'm excited to see which direction they go with it. They, you know, I mean, we've stated many times they really could go any direction. But it's still holding up as a great show. And um, there's even been a little bit of humor, too, throughout the show, which is a classic Star Wars. Not over the top, but just enough to make you giggle, I guess. Yeah. Be like, oh, yeah, that's yeah. funny. Because he's, uh, he's flying away, and some of the Mandalorian fly beside his ship, and he's like, oh, I gotta get one of those. I will say, with the that was the one thing of this entire episode that I, I cringed at, I did not like. Really? It just felt so unnecessary. Well... The, he's flying away his ship, he's made the clean getaway, and the guy shows up, he flies next to him, he gives him this, just this over-the-top salute, and he's just like, I need to get me one of those. It was almost the, it, it was too much for me. So I understand what it was trying to do, and like you're saying, for a lot of people, it accomplished that goal. I'm just over-the-top critical, because that's me as a person. I think it did a good job of wrapping up the episode, because all of this really intense stuff had just happened, and so it was just kind of like a a little bit of a nod, and then it just kind of led into, you know, he, the little baby Yoda had been playing with that ball on top of his, one of his gears, and he took the ball off and gave it back to him just to show that connection. You know, they have this this bond now. Yeah. I will say the two things that I'm most looking forward to with this show is the kind of just lingering wondering of who the next established character they bring in is. I guess the first established character they bring in is. Because like we mentioned previously, it could be really anybody mm-hmm. who's still alive at the end of... Return of the Jedi. Yeah. But the the second thing I'm kind of awkwardly looking forward to is the next weird one-liner. Mm. Because previously uh, it was, I have spoken. I have spoken. Was the, the key phrase of the episode. And then uh, in this episode it was, this is the way. That's the Mandalorian creed. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm curious to see what the next kind of takeaway one-liner is. You think that will be a, a theme with each episode? Maybe not necessarily with each episode, but... Because, I mean, that would get old fairly quickly. Yeah. Especially if they're going to stay more 30-minute episodes as opposed to, like, 35, 40, 45-minute episodes. Mm-hmm. Then it's like, oh, you know, I spent five minutes of this episode just hearing this dude say this one thing. But overall, what I mean, uh, what would you give it as far I would, as... I would give this specific episode probably an eight and a half out of ten okay yeah i would i would give it uh i'd probably give it an eight or maybe a seven because it did move the story forward and now of course we have no idea where he's going exactly i don't know if it's necessarily about where he's going as much as it is who is following him Mm. because the carl weathers character is still alive i imagine there are other members of the guild who were off planet at the time Mm mm-hmm so he has now gone from hunter to hunted. Mm. So he's going to have to learn, he's going to have to befriend Baby Yoda on the fly mm-hmm. while also keeping one step ahead of the people who are going to be following him and will be able to find him 
with the tracker. But it was good. It was good. Yeah, that's that's going to be it for that's it for the episode three recap. Yeah. Up next, we are going. So we've changed order of the episode now. Uh, we do new segment and then the appetizer. The, <laughs> I like that. Okay. And then the and then the main course. Okay. So news, appetizer, and then main course. The way to my heart is food metaphors. The main event. And the main event this week is going to be we are reviewing the MCU up to the end of phase three. End of phase three. Which so is, basically the Infinity Saga? Is that what they've the Infinity it that, as? that is, um, but I would, I would think the Infinity Saga really ends with Endgame. Right. So it's the Infinity Saga plus Far From Home. Yeah, because they include that. Far From Home is technically the end of Phase 3. Because the events take place direct, like immediately after the vanishing. No, what they end up calling it? I don't know. The snapping. I, I could, I could, whatever they ended up calling the it. Snapping. I could have called it something better. Why didn't they do that? Because they didn't ask us. They did not. MCU in review. This is undoubtedly the most ambitious undertaking we have so far. Yeah, it's. Similarly to a 23-movie-long single-plot narrative. It's it's a lot. Yeah. Uh, I was going back through all the movies today, and uh, I was very overwhelmed. It was a lot. The way... I'll tell you what helped me uh, was we chose to rank them one phase at a time. So in that way, we rank them... Uh, phase one has six movies. We rank them one to six. Phase two has six movies. We rank them one to six. And then Phase 3 was the tricky one because it has 11 movies. Mm-hmm. So we ranked them 1 through 11. And that doing it that way helped me a lot. I forgot to ask, is, did we include the Avengers movies in that mix? I did. Okay, good. Dodged a bullet. <laughs> All right, um, so what we're going to do is, uh, John, I think you should go first. Okay. So uh, John will go first with his Phase 1 uh, which is five, six movies, so he'll rate them, rate them one through six, and then I will do the same thing. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to read off the list that I have the Phase 1 movies released in chronological order. That makes sense. Of year of theatrical release. And then I will give my rankings from a worst to first order. Okay. So Phase 1 included Iron Man, The Incredible Hulk, Iron Man 2... Thor, Captain America, the first Avenger, and 2012, I believe it was 2012's Marvel's The Avengers. Okay. So my ranking, worst to first. Uh, worst, I have Iron Man 2. Okay. Next up, I have Incredible Hulk. Then I have Captain America. Then The Avengers. Then Thor. And I have Iron Man as the best Phase 1 movie. Okay. My list is very different from yours. All right, let's do it. All right. So my list from worst to first would be Captain America, Iron Man 2, Incredible Hulk, Thor, Iron Man, Avengers. All right. Any of those shock you? (laughs) I mean, Captain America kind of does, but I also feel like I like that movie more than most people. So... Okay, so this is a very important thing to remember about me when I'm rating movies. I rate movies by the amount of times that I watch them after they're released. 
Because if I really enjoyed it, I want to go back and watch it multiple times. And so Captain America, for me, I actually found kind of boring. And I didn't really care very much about the character. I thought the story was kind of so-so. I was like, okay, whatever. But, like, I I think I've only seen it in theaters. I haven't watched it since. See, I'm I'm the opposite. That is the... Of of the Phase 1 movies, I believe it is the one I have rewatched the most recently. Okay. But based on your based on that criteria, Incredible Hulk would be the bottom of my list because I don't believe I have seen that in at least 5 years. See, I oh, sorry. I got really close to the mic. See, I I was different because I really liked I really liked Incredible Hulk. I I really enjoyed the movie. I thought that uh Edward Norton was Hulk at the time, Bruce Banner. And I thought he did a good job. I liked the villain. I thought the villain was very interesting. And it also set up for another villain as well. The I can't even remember his name now, but he's the guy with the big brain. I don't know. I don't know a whole lot about I'm drawing Hulk a blank comics. on what he's called. But anyway, so it was setting up for new new villains. And I was like, okay, I like the direction this is going. Well, it's entirely Edward Norton's fault. Oh, yeah. From what I understand. Oh, yeah. From so... what I've heard, he is a very hard person to work with. So yeah, it's completely his fault. Yeah, not to not to good job Edward. Not to down talk Mark Ruffalo. You know, I feel like he stepped into an established character and made it his own. He did a good job and has made it his own for the better part of a decade. Oh yeah. So uh, props to him. You know, that's going to be pretty impressive. Uh, is there anything on mine that jumped out at you? I'm actually I'm going to peek at your list because I can't remember exactly what you said. Yeah, I am. I'm I mean, I agree with you. I think Iron Man was a very good movie, but I fully enjoyed The Avengers. So that to me kind of shocks me a little bit, I guess. As a cuz the way I, I I view Iron Man through a different lens than I do the rest of them because mm-hmm. it was first. Yeah. So Iron Man was it in set this everything sense, up universe establishing. Yes. And in that vein it was so good. It was very good. It was it is established the tone for not only Iron Man but the larger cinematic universe as a whole. Yeah. Which was one of the issues with Man of Steel. Did you really think that you were the only one? See, and and it had that same tone. It had Samuel L. Jackson in there. It had all the it had really everything you want from a superhero movie. It had an after credit scene based on you know those factors and the debut of RDJ. Like it's. Uh, it's really tough to beat for me. Yeah. Obviously, because none of the other Phase 1 films defeated it. Right. But yeah, no. Uh, other than that, I think... I mean, Iron Man 2, I can definitely see why you put that one at the bottom of the list. It was not a very good movie. It was still Iron Man, and I thought it was a cool concept, but it was a little out there. Alright, so jumping into Phase 2. Uh, phase 2 contains... release. This is by chronological release date. Iron Man 3... Thor, The Dark World, Captain America, The Winter Soldier, Guardians of the Galaxy, Avengers, Age of Ultron, and Ant-Man. All right. And my ranking, worst to first, is Thor, The Dark World, Iron Man 3, Avengers, Age of Ultron, Guardians of the Galaxy, Ant-Man, and Captain America, The Winter Soldier. Okay. Um, my list is not too much different from yours. I have Iron Man 3, Dark World, Age of Ultron, Ant-Man, Guardians of the Galaxy, 
Winter Soldier. Oh wow, we have we have a top one in co- that's actually very exciting. Yes. Uh Winter Soldier, hands down one of the best that the MCU has to offer. I fully enjoyed that movie because I I mean, as you saw from my last list, I did not like Captain America the First Avenger, but when he came out, I mean, I remember going into the movie. I didn't want to see it. A mutual friend of ours, Jeremy, he's the one that actually talked me into going. And I was so glad that he did because it was so good. A completely different Captain America. He could actually fight, for one. And he was just this really awesome, sweet. So that one is, is tops for me. And one of the reasons it is... Um, I talked with my sister about this movie at length, my older sister, and she is on record as saying she does not like stereotypical genre films, really no matter the genre. So if it's a stereotypical rom-com, she doesn't like it because it is what it is. It's Mm -hmm. established. You can predict it fairly well. Mm -hmm. But what she loved about The Winter Soldier is it is a pure political thriller disguised as a comic book movie. Okay. Yeah, I can see that. So, and especially in, like, I, and I I have a soft spot for the Bucky character. Mm-hmm. My favorite, I mean, he's probably my favorite Marvel character, which is easy to understand when you realize one of my favorite DC characters is Jason Todd, the right. Red Hood. Yeah. They're essentially the same character. They're broken. They are. I just, there are so many things about this, the debut of the Falcon suit, mm. the dynamic with Natasha and Steve. You know, there's just so there's so much to love about the Winter Soldier. I could honestly, I could see a Falcon Winter Soldier show kind of being in the same tone as Civil War. Ah, uh, as Civil War, okay. Or not Civil War, sorry. As the Winter Soldier, uh, Winter film. Soldier, yeah. Okay, I could see that, and I believe that's kind of what it's in in terms of the political nature of it. I believe that's going to be one of the main drives of it because it's going to be that type of conflict between. Bucky and Sam and the government. Yeah. I, I think. I, didn't, I don't know. I didn't think about that before until you just said that it's more like a that political drama set inside of a comic book movie. Like, then I started seeing it. I could see them doing that. Yeah. It'd be interesting. So one of the, one of the actually really the only note that I had on my ranking is that there's a clear divide to me between the top half of phase two and the bottom half of phase two. We both kind of address because... Our top threes are the are the same content, and our bottom three are the same. So I have there's a clear divide between the top three movies of Phase Two mm. and the bottom three movies of Phase Two. Yes, I feel like really any one of these top three movies could have fought for any of the top three spots in any other phase. For me, yeah. or at least at least for Phase One, Phase Three is a completely different animal yeah i could see that too and um for me like when looking at like age of ultron i mean we can get this we can go more into it with superlatives segment but age of ultron it was being built up as this really huge thing and then it ended up not not being a huge thing i have a i have a very interesting um stance on age of ultron because clearly i mean rating it four out of six fourth out of six uh, I'm not a huge fan, but I feel like being a good movie was not its primary purpose. Mm-mm. So I've, I've said this in the past when I've deba- debated people about Age of Ultron. The primary purpose of that movie 
is to set the stage for Phase 3. It was. It is a gateway from the Avenger origin stories and the original, the first Avengers movie, Mm -hmm. into the broader cosmic scale, uh, or cosmic scope of the rest of the Infinity Saga. Yeah. And to that point, it accomplished the goal near flawlessly. So it it set the stage for Phase 3. Which I'm content to jump into now, unless you have any further phase two no, thoughts. No, phase three, let's do it. All right, phase three. Bear with me. Phase, there are phase three eleven movies. So phase three. What did we have for phase three? Phase three starts out with Captain America: Civil War, and then Doctor Strange, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two, Spider-Man: Homecoming, Thor: Ragnarok, Black Panther, Avengers: Infinity War. Ant-Man and the Wasp, Captain Marvel, Avengers Endgame, and it ended with uh, Spider-Man Far From Home. It's War- a lot of movies. It is. <laughs> this one took me by far, I think this. I think it took me longer to rank Phase 3 than it did Phase 2 and 1 combined. The top was pretty, like the top movie was pretty easy for me, mm-hmm. the bottom movie was pretty easy for me. Okay. So the in-between took a while to fill out. Me too. So, starting worst to first, I go Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. That, I'm sorry, I've got to say real quick, that shocks me. Especially considering how much you loved the first one. I did love the first one, but I will get to why I ranked it so low. Okay. Um, Captain Marvel, Doctor Strange, Spider-Man Far From Home, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Spider-Man Homecoming, Avengers Endgame, Black Panther, Captain America Civil War, Thor Ragnarok, leading my number one movie of Phase 3 to be Avengers Infinity War. Okay. Um, I did things a little bit differently than you did. Uh, So, worst to first, I've got Ant-Man Wasp, uh, Civil War, Guardians of the Galaxy 2, Captain Marvel, Homecoming, Black Panther, Far From Home, Doctor Strange, Ragnarok, and honestly, I put Infinity Duo because That's fair. I couldn't decide on which one was better, and I almost consider it to be one movie. I just said uh, The Infinity War. Part one and two. Part one and two, yeah. <laughs> That's fair. Um, but my, I'll give you my rationale for Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Okay. Um, the reason Guardians of the Galaxy 1 did so well is because it was so unexpected. Hmm. So even uh, in the lead up to the film, I went out and I bought probably 12 to 15 volumes of the uh, issues of the comic book, not volumes, excuse me, um, to try to establish this baseline with the characters. And honestly, to try to comic book movie hipster some of these people. Okay. I'm just saying like, well, you don't understand this character's motivations <laughs> and their complex backstory right. and yada, yada, yada. Um, so I, I went into it with kind of a deeper understanding of the characters, but the tone was still kind of an unknown. So they go in, they have that 80s vibe to it with the soundtrack, mm-hmm. and it becomes this this kind of cultural phenomenon, even to an extent, not as broadly as a movie I'll talk about later, um, breaching into pop culture as a whole, as opposed to staying inside of the, the nerd culture, the geek culture. Mm-hmm. 
But the reason that I have Guardians 2 so low is because it knew what we wanted and it played into it too much. Mm. So it was over the top of, these are all the things you loved last time and we're not really going to change anything. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, there was some development there with with the Star-Lord character, with Yondu and the daddy issues that Star-Lord probably still has. But the main takeaway that I had from that movie was just a... Really? Mm -hmm. Like, I walked away from it without that same sense of, like, man, I can't believe how good that movie was. Right. So, um, the other ones, I feel like you have Doctor Strange much, much, much higher than I do. I do. I really enjoyed Doctor Strange. I thought that the character itself was very unique, and it was different from anybody else that we had seen. And so I really enjoyed that. I thought that it was cool to see this character that... Um, was well it was intro you know in, it was introducing the multiverse it was introducing just magic in general I really enjoyed that piece of it um, I know a lot of people have said that it's just a carbon copy of Iron Man and I understand that argument I completely understand it but at the same time I still really enjoyed it and I feel like that this character approaches things so much differently than Tony Stark ends up doing. Because Tony, like, yes, he learned a valuable lesson when he ended up in the cave and became Iron Man, but he still was just this really cocky, really thought highly of himself, even after. At the same time, though, so does Strange. Does he, though? Absolutely. Because he doesn't go back to his old life at all. He stays, you know, very... He still stays a hermit and lives in this magic townhouse and guards the unseen world. So, like... But, he's, but he he's, still has that cockiness, though, because, like, I'm the Sorcerer Supreme. I'm the best neurosurgeon. I crash the best cars. Like, that's kind of... He still has that air about him that Tony Stark has. Yeah, I can see it. I, I look at it differently, I guess, from other people. Plus, like I said, you know, my ranking was which ones have I watched? That's that's true. That's one that I have watched several times. I believe in the wake of the success Guardians of the Galaxy had, um, I don't believe Thor Ragnarok would have been near as successful if Guardians of the Galaxy had not been as well received. I think so, too. So, in that comparison... Thor Ragnarok is among the most rewatchable of these movies for me personally. Mm -hmm. And I feel really guilty about having Homecoming in the middle, in the smack dab middle, number six out of 11, uh, because I really liked Homecoming. Mm -hmm. So it's not that it was bad at all. I thought it was a wonder. It was, I think it is the second best Spider-Man movie we have had to date. I will go to bat with anyone with Spider-Man 2. The original Sam Raimi, Toby Toby McGuire. I thought it was outstanding. It is very good. But Homecoming is very, very good. It's just not better than Endgame, Black Panther, Civil War, Ragnarok, or Infinity War, Mm -hmm. for me personally. Black Panther is another one that I actually had a hard time with because I really enjoyed that one, and that's another one that I've watched several times over, but... The more that I watch it, the more I realize, yeah, it was good, but I don't know how much it really fed into the overall plot. Uh, it it really is kind of a stand... Like, you could almost just watch it by itself. 
It doesn't have to be in context context with the rest of the. I think, I mean, all of all of the first movies, so the the character establishing movies, I think, kind of could be viewed in a vacuum. Yeah. Um, but Black Panther, I talked about earlier how Guardians of the Galaxy was kind of a pop culture phenomenon. Yeah. Black Panther absolutely was. Oh yeah. So it became, I believe it. Did it end up getting nominated for Best Picture? It did. So, I mean, that's that shows the the broader impact this movie had. And I think it actually ended up getting a few Oscars, not for Best Picture, but it got. I think it got an Oscar for something. Typically, movies like like these are going to get like uh, design or soundtrack, soundtrack, costuming. I think it like, may have gotten soundtrack. It's very rare that a CG movie or a movie like this is going to beat out a period piece for costuming, I feel like. So that probably wasn't it. So what did you have at the bottom? Uh, Guardians 2. What did you have right above that? Captain Marvel. Oh. Obviously I liked Captain Marvel better than you did. <laughs> what did you not like about it? The massive overuse of the, um, this is the hero, this is the struggle the hero has, these are the allies the hero has... The hero's allies are actually the villains. Hmm. That's the most overused plot device of the MCU. Okay. In my opinion. Yeah, I can see And that. it really took away from my enjoyment of the film. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. All right. Well, uh, very good. So we ranked all of those. Man, that was a lot of movies. It was. All right, now what John came up with, which I loved, was he said, hey, what if we did like in high school where you gave people um, superlatives? superlatives. So like uh, the ones that were most like high school for me were uh, most likely to succeed, (laughs) best dressed, those those types of things. So a lot of them are, not a lot of them, some of them are going to be more character specific. Right. And then some of them we're going to try to gear towards movies as a whole mm-hmm. um so you i'll have you start these off since i did the rankings first okay um well i would like to start with uh i did the ones from our facebook post i addressed them first okay so i have from beth i have homecoming king homecoming queen and most likely to succeed okay and then from meg i have most likely to be president most likely to lose the winning lottery ticket, and most likely to be sent to the principal's office. Okay. Uh, Why don't you start with the first one? Because, unfortunately, some of mine got cut off. Oh, no. I don't know why. I emailed it to myself. What if you rotate your phone? Nope. Dang it. Yeah. Okay. Go, you start the list, and then I can remember what I put. I will start with Homecoming King, which uh, was very difficult for me. And then I grasped the most obvious answer, which was Stanley. Oh, okay. I didn't think about that. It took me a while, but it's a cop-out. It's absolutely a cop-out answer. I did Peter Parker just because that he's in high school. That's fair. <laughs> and, I mean, Homecoming was in his movie's name, so... Right. It was a, a very rational jump. Homecoming thing. Ah, oh, man, I didn't think of Stanley Outside the box. Yeah. Good job. Uh, Homecoming Queen, I picked Shuri. Okay. Uh, T'Challa's sister. Yeah. Uh, I actually, I went with uh, Black Widow. That's fair. Yeah. Most likely to succeed. Once again, low-hanging fruit. I picked T'Challa. T'Challa. He's already king of the most 
lucrative country on the planet. Yes. And he's a superhero. Mm-hmm. So I feel like he's doing all right. Most likely to succeed, I actually went with Peter Parker again. <sighs> I know. I went with Peter Parker because I just... You know, see a lot of potential in him. Plus, he's kind of becoming the new Iron Man in a way. Recipe for success it right is. there. Uh, most likely to be president. This one took me a long time. Um, I ended up going with Professor Hulk from Endgame. Yes, I actually went with Professor Hulk as well. For Just... many for many reasons. Uh, Bruce Banner's brain. So it's this hyperactive, intelligent person. But also, who's going to debate the Hulk? Exactly. He's got brains and brawn. He's got both of them. Yeah. Most likely to lose the winning lottery ticket. This is the one I put Peter Parker. That was one of the easiest ones for me. I went with Quill. Because Quill is totally somebody who would lose the ticket. That's absolutely true. I mean, he would... He would probably lose it while trying to pursue a girl or something, you know? So Yeah. <laughs> I actually, uh, for most likely to be sent to the principal's office, that's the one I went with Peter Quill. Ah, uh, yes. Because he would live in the principal's office. See, I went with <laughs> I went with Drax <laughs> because he doesn't understand anything. Oh, and, and he wouldn't so, know any better. He's yeah. so literal about everything. And so I could see him saying something completely inappropriate and just not understanding why he's getting in trouble. I didn't even think about that. That's a really good one. So he would get he would be there all the time and still would have no idea why he's there. So, uh for best sequel, uh I went with Captain America the Winter Soldier. I also went with Captain America the Winter Soldier. Yeah, we both rated that one very highly because it was just so much better than the first one. I mean, not so much, but it was it was substantially better. I agree to disagree. <laughs> <laughs> Worst sequel. Uh, Thor: The Dark World. Uh, another one that we both put the yeah, same thing. Those are those are the ones that really jumped out to me. Mm-hmm. Best threequel. Yes, best threequel. I went with Thor: Ragnarok. I did as well. Um, I also did. I also adapted this for me, so I'm going to be throwing this on you. Okay. Right now, um, best series as a whole, one to three. So the ones with three movies are going to be Iron Man, Captain America. And Thor. I don't believe there are a lot of them with two, but I don't think there are any other ones with three. Yeah, um, out of those three, I'm going to say Thor because as much as Civil War was really cool, and for the first time we got Spider Man in the MCU, the only thing I didn't like about it was I thought the story was kind of dull, to be honest. I didn't really care for it, just it felt like we were picking up in the middle of something. Had you read the Civil War uh, graphic novel? Not before okay. the movie. That that part of it I didn't really enjoy. Have you read it since? I have. Okay. Ha- I have since, and since then I have a little better appreciation for the movie, uh, but still, off of first impressions. Okay. I, I ultimately did go with Captain America as best series. Okay. Um, he's my favorite of the original Avengers, and I have a... I, I loved the Winter Soldier. I rated Civil War and Captain and the First Avenger actually. Uh, I would say substantially higher than you did. So I feel like that's going to be one of the easiest ones to guess for me. Yes. Uh, should we do best dressed? Yes. 
Best dressed. I guess we're going with which costume costume we liked the best. Go for it. Um, this one was I got I narrowed this down to two, but I cannot pick between the two. Okay. So it is the Iron Man Mark L, which is the nanotech armor from Infinity War. Okay. When he wears it as a sweatshirt and he pulls the drawstrings and it becomes the, the hyper adaptable yeah. Iron Man suit. Yeah. Um, and that is tied with the Iron Spider for me. Okay. The Iron Spider suit is incredibly iconic. It is iconic, although it's funny because I didn't care for it. <laughs> really? Yeah. Like, I know, like, in the comic. You know, obviously it's a big deal in the comic. Um, but as far as in the movie, I didn't really care for it all that much. I was like, okay, yeah, it looks like an Iron Man suit, but it's a spider suit, but I didn't really care. Um, but for me, I went with uh, actually Captain America's suit in Civil War. Okay. Um, it, just because I liked the updated look of it, and I just I, I thought it looked cool. Um, now, I know during the course of that movie, he ends up going back to his original suit that he wore in the first one but that first suit that he had when uh, when the when the um movies first started in winter soldier or winter civil soldier war? winter soldier okay because you said civil war i'm getting them confused <sighs> yeah the uh the the stealth suit from the beginning of winter soldier i'm sorry i'm getting everybody confused. really really good and the thing that's really cool about that costume is it goes so far as to have a stealth shield mm. i don't mm-hmm. know if you remember that or not but the shield is not red, white, and blue at the beginning of the movie. It's almost a, a not glossy stainless steel. Yeah. So that it definitely plays into it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that is probably the strongest Captain America suit. Oh, yeah. In my opinion. I really liked it. Now, at this point, I feel like most people are going to... They might be able to guess what I'm going to say. But most overrated MCU movie. I put... Civil War. <sighs> Just a deep, deep sigh is my reaction to that. I, I know. Um, I put. And I'm sure there are probably tons of listeners right now that are so mad at me. But I'm sure there are people who agree with you too. That's the beauty of opinions, right? Is everybody has them, and I mean, you agree with some people, you don't agree with some people, right? So for me, this was another one. You know, I couldn't really just pick one. Um, so I have Captain Marvel or Age of Ultron. Because I do feel like there were a lot of people who, when the movie initially, when Age of Ultron initially came out, there are a lot of people who loved it. They're like, this is the best comic book movie there's ever been. Um, you know, the, the Scarlet Witch, Quicksilver characters are excellent. Uh, Ultron is a great villain. And I will concede that Ultron is a good villain, but only in the sense of the way his lines are delivered by James Spader. James Spader makes Ultron to he me. He does. So uh, those are my votes for most overrated, and it hurts me a little bit that you picked Civil War. I know. But based on the reasonings you have given uh, just now, I see where you're coming from. Yeah. It, it, the story, to me, it felt like we were jumping in in the middle of a story, and so it didn't feel complete to me. Now, most underrated, I went with Doctor Strange. And based on the reasonings you have given defending that movie, I understand. Yeah underrated for me i went with ant-man okay yeah i can see that in terms of the the pure break from the serious tone of some of the movies it was released around ant-man is the purest comedy mcu movie we have Mm -hmm. because there's a tremendous amount of humor in guardians of the galaxy 
but I wouldn't go so far as to call it as comedic as Ant-Man. That's one that has also been compared a little bit to Iron Man as well. But to me, it's just a good origin story. I think most origin stories show a character who's down on their luck and is not doing very well or is really high and then they crash to learn their lesson and so on and so forth. Yeah. There you go. All right, next up, we have Most Redundant. I'll be entirely honest with you. The whole reason that I have this as a superlative is to take another shot at Doctor Strange. It is the most redundant MCU movie. Okay. All right. Well. So I'm now intrigued as to which one you picked because you love Doctor Strange. I did. Um, See, that's interesting. I put Ant-Man and the Wasp. Uh, to me, it felt like almost exactly the same story. And see, I went with sequels. I thought more sequel. Okay, that is not the vein I took that yeah, at all. I went I went more like which ones are most alike. And so, honestly, earlier from what you had said, I thought you were going to say Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Because it's practically the same thing. Hey, you loved this? Well, here's more of it. Yeah, based on based on that logic, it is absolutely Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Now, let me explain my Ant-Man and the Wasp. To me, it, okay, so it just felt like the same plot to me. It felt like the same thing was going on. There In was, the sense of it was a continuance or it was the same plot again? It wasn't the same plot again. Well, I don't know. It kind of was. There are a lot of similarities I feel like you can make. Yeah. And then uh, the only other thing that I want to point out, too, is um, Scott Lang, what we discover or what I thought we discovered in Ant-Man was he was very intelligent. Despite him being a clown, he was very smart. And I hated that in the Ant-Man and the Wasp, they didn't move his character in any way and he's still just this bumbling fool when we figure out that he's actually really smart so i didn't understand why that didn't that seems like an incredibly valid criticism yeah Yeah. it didn't make sense to me on why they chose to do that but anyway that's that's my that's my takeaway from it okay and then uh, most overused plot device as i have already said um, in this in this episode, the hero's friend or ally turns out to be the enemy, and that's the mo- like I'm gonna flip back to my list of MCU movies. I'm gonna tell you all the movies that happens in. Do it. It happens in <laughs> Iron Man. Okay. With the Jeff Bridges character. Right. It happens with Iron Man three with the uh, Maya. What's her name? Uh-huh. She ends up to be working with the villain. It kind of happens in Thor The Dark World, because Loki, is he a friend? Is he a villain? Is he a friend? Is he a villain? Uh Uh, Winter Soldier, obviously. Uh The hero's friend turns out to be the villain. Uh But, I mean, I I look at that more in terms of, like, Doctor Strange with the Mordo character. Mordo is known as basically the Doctor Strange villain. So seeing him working alongside and being his helper... It didn't really click for me. Mm-hmm. Captain Marvel, the whole bit with Jude Law and all of the Kree, right? Yep. Those were the Kree mm-hmm. being the bad guys, ultimately, didn't really settle well with me. And then uh, Far From Home, 
with the Mysterio character, yes, I feel like is the one that I expected the most. Mm-hmm. So I was the most disappointed by hmm. because again, with as with the Mordo character, Mysterio is known as a villain. Mm-hmm. So seeing him in that help helpful capacity, I really couldn't get past it. The thing that has kind of been overused to me is kind of along that same line, but it's that the villain is always exactly the same as the hero, but the opposite. Does that does that make sense? So like in, in Ant-Man, how they both have that same shrinking technology, right. except Yellow Jacket also has lasers. In Iron Man, it was just another Iron Man. Actually, in Iron Man 1 and 2, it's just a different Iron Man is the villain. Doctor Strange, it was just a more powerful... Mystical force. Mystical force um, in... Winter Soldier. Winter Soldier. I mean, if you go on the Bucky versus Steve debate, they're they effectively were similar. super soldiers. Right. Fighting each other. So it's just, to me, it's just the... Op- it's the it's the hero, but Black, opposite. Black Panther. Black, yeah. They were very well, evenly matched. I mean, it was pretty much the same character, just fighting each other. Right. So... Do you see what I'm saying? I absolutely see what you're saying. And that's, again, a very valid criticism. Yeah, and it's something that they've done so much to the point where it's almost too much. So that's that's something I wish that they would get away from. But at the same time, I see why they do it, because that's easy. So maybe it's just lazy writing. Could be. Hmm. Uh, Best hero is what we have up next. I have Black Widow as the best hero of the MCU. Did you just put her because she sacrificed herself? I did not. I put her because of her arc from Iron Man 2 to Endgame. Okay. So she starts off as the uh, minor character of Iron Man Man 2. 2. Does all the techie wizard stuff, comes in, swoops, saves the day. (laughs) Um, She is next in the Avengers as really an afterthought Mm. as one of the non-super-powered characters. Mm -hmm. She is in Winter Soldier teaming up with Captain America from an espionage perspective, which is her, her pre-Avengers forte. And she she gets a lot more depth in that role, saying like her history with the Winter Soldier, and she kind of alludes to some of the things in her past, mm-hmm. leading into um, Age of Ultron, when they lean more into the uh, potential love interest with the Hulk. Mm-hmm. And then Civil War, I think, is where her character really turns because she starts off being Team Tony, Team Mm -hmm. Iron Man. Mm -hmm. And then she realizes, oh no, this is a terrible mistake. This is very bad. And at the end of the airport fight, she betrays the team and lets Steve and Bucky escape. Mm. Uh, From there, I think from there she's in Infinity War and then Endgame. Mm -hmm. And then obviously her, her role in Endgame. I feel like she has the most transformative arc other than maybe thor Hmm. see so now that leads into mine i did thor okay and because definitely make it he was the only other one i was considering yeah because he the evolution of the character is so extreme from when we first see him anthony hopkins said it best you know he was like you are a immature cruel boy or whatever you know it takes the hammer away from him and that's exactly how he is and he's like that like he really doesn't I mean, he, his his cockiness kind of stays with him for a while. You know, he's very, you know, thinks very high in my. I am the mighty Thor. You know, he has that mindset for a very long time, um, and then he uh, evolves into this really 
well-rounded leader. Um, and he learns how to truly use his power. And he kind of f- understands how powerful he really is. Um, and then, on top of that, one thing that I loved about uh, Endgame... No, not Endgame. Infinity War? Infinite. Well, no, it was Endgame. What I loved about Endgame was that even in his depression, you know, because he was had reached this point where he was just like, I'm not worthy at all of anything. And And even in his depression, he was still worthy. Yeah. Like he called the hammer and it came right back to him, you know, and he started crying. He was like, I'm still worthy, you know, and like everybody laughed, but it was true. Yeah. Like just because you're having a bad day doesn't mean that you're no longer who you are. Yeah. And so I love that beautiful. That's a wonderful message. Yeah. I will say, I think one of the things that ultimately had me decide for Black Widow as opposed to Thor was I feel like Fat Thor was overdone <laughs> in Endgame. Like it was a, it was a, like you're saying, it was a growth point for the character because mm-hmm. you say, you know, this thing happened and I'm the one who could have stopped it. Mm-hmm. To I'm still worthy. Yeah, I feel like they played up Fat Thor a little too much. They could, in have. my opinion. Uh, from best hero, we're gonna go to worst hero, and Tony Stark is the worst hero okay. of the MCU. Because he's the cause for a lot of what because happens? Because he's absolutely the cause for a lot of what happens. Okay, I see so that. So, a lot of the cosmic things are obviously going to be out of his control. So, uh, he overreacts to the Chitauri invasion in mm-hmm. the Avengers. Mm-hmm. And goes rogue and creates Ultron. Single-handedly, almost. So, he creates this big, bad villain who destroys Sokovia... And because Ultron destroys Sokovia, there are the Sokovia Accords, mm. which is the direct cause for civil war. Right. Which causes all of this tension between the team, ultimately disbanding the team, so they're not united, ultimately, when Thanos comes. Okay. I see it. So I think Tony Stark is the worst hero in the MCU. You defended that well. Um, I didn't think Tony Stark, just because of what he does at the end... Um, I feel like that kind of made up for all the mess up that he did. Um, however, my pick would be Scarlet Witch. I, I feel like Scarlet Witch overall has been one of the most pointless characters that we've had. She's whiny. She hides. And like she's so powerful but doesn't do anything. Because she doesn't know. Well, but at the... I don't know. She just... It was so frustrating Everything is going on. She's so worried about her precious little robot that she loves. All this fighting's going on in Infinity War. And then finally she shows up, takes out like half the... Like, she's almost like Captain Marvel. She comes in, she takes over like half the the battle going on. And they're like, where has she been this whole time? And I'm like, yes, excellent question. Where has she been this whole she time? She was doing her job. They told her to stay with Vision. She She disobeyed orders. She should have disobeyed earlier. Again, as we said earlier, agree to disagree. Yes. I will say, going forward, she is among the characters I'm most excited about. I think going forward... Between between WandaVision Mm -hmm. coming to Disney Plus, Mm -hmm. I think 2021. I don't know. Leading directly into Doctor Strange 2. Mm -hmm. She is confirmed to be in Doctor Strange 2. Yeah, she's the reason... Which is the movie I'm most intimidated by. It's going to be pretty cool. Because they have said it it is a straight up... Horror, horror movie. movie yeah 
and I'm not a I'm not a horror movie. I don't do like I don't even watch uh, Stranger Things <laughs> because I'm kind of afraid of like you know am I going to have a negative reaction to uh-huh. the Upside Down and right. the Demogorgon and all of those things. Right. So I'm super intimidated, but super excited by Scarlet Witch's growth potential. I will say uh, going forward, I'm I'm interested to see what they do with her, but. There was a part of me that was just like, yeah, I don't like you are so powerful and you're not doing anything about it. She's going about it the wrong way. I mean, even this multiverse that she might be creating, you know, she's doing it for or destroying. She's being so selfish with it. So it just it bothers me. All right. So going from uh, best hero, worst hero to villains, best villain. Thanos was really too easy to say for best villain. So I wouldn't let myself say Thanos. I have two down. I went with Killmonger from Black Panther. Okay. I'm interested why. Um, Because he was able to gain the loyalty of some Uh, of the Wakandans. That's true. So he was a very relatable villain. Even walking out of the the theater or um, seeing debates online and social media, people are like, he's not entirely wrong. Mm Mm-hmm. So the fact that you walk out of this movie and you think, you know, maybe... Even T'Challa at the end of the movie says... He, he recognizes he had a point. Mm-hmm. So the fact that the villain is able to cause the hero to grow very directly, mm-hmm. I feel like is a huge indication of the quality of the villain. Had a good point, just went about it the wrong way. So for best villain, I actually have, I kind of stepped out of the MCU for my first choice. I went with Kilgrave from Jessica Jones. Okay. I love that character so much. I mean, he is super intimidating. How much of your opinion of Kilgrave is influenced by your previous opinion of Tenet? Because the, I thought he, he, he played the character well. He does. He plays very well. But the but the villain itself, like he is super scary. Yeah, he's able to completely control your thoughts and actions. Like that is that is horrifying. So in that respect, I put him as best villain. But because we're sticking with MCU, I went with Zemo from Civil War. Even though I didn't like that movie, that villain was very good because he was very smart and cunning and how he broke down the Avengers from the inside. And that, I thought, was very a lot of skill there. Based on that, I mean, I'm I obviously a big fan of Captain America movies, so I completely agree. Um... And since Daniel Bruhl is confirmed for Falcon and the Winter Soldier, he still has a part to play. Oh, yeah. So that that's among the reasons I'm over the moon that that's going to be a show. Oh, yeah. Uh, worst villain? This one was really, really easy for me. It was the Mandarin. Thank you. From Iron Man 3. Yep. It was an absolute waste of a character. The Mandarin twist. It was awful. Now, I have heard recently that this um, Shang-Chi and the... So, rings or whatever. Right. I've heard that they're going to bring the Mandarin back for that, but it's going to be the legit... The Mandarin. The Mandarin. So would so, that not invalidate the one-shot when the Trevor Slattery character, I think he's in prison, and he actually like admits he is, like, there. there is a greater Mandarin threat? Would that not invalidate that? I don't know. I guess so, but I don't... Because I, I don't know if I've seen the MCU retcon something like that. Yeah. So obviously, it could. It has potential later, but in that movie, what was that? Iron Man three. Yes. Oh my gosh, such a waste. 
But that was our I sprung some on you. You did. Uh, right before we started recording. Okay. So these are going to be best of the best and worst of the worst. Best of the best. So these the are going to take the movies that we ranked as the best from each phase. That's right. And the worst from each phase. And we're going to say what we think the best movie of the MCU is. Okay. And what we think the worst movie of the MCU is. Okay. So I'll give my my top three movies. This is not in order. My top three to pick from are Iron Man, Captain America Winter Soldier, and Avengers Infinity War. Okay. So for best of the best, I went with Avengers Infinity War. My top were Avengers, Winter Soldier, and I put Infinity Duo. Right. So parts one and two. I agree with you. I think that the Infinity parts are the best. You can't get much better than that. Agreed. But at the same time, you have to give some credit where credit is due that we would not have that number one spot with those movies if it wasn't for all the other stuff that it sits on top of. That's absolutely true. So in that respect, thank you, MCU, for your service. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and given that caveat of saying the non-Avengers movie we think is the best, I think we both would go Winter Soldier. Yes. Uh, that would be that would be probably the easiest for me. Yes, definitely. Um, and then worst of the worst, my worst three movies were Iron Man 2, Thor The Dark World, and Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. And my worst of the worst was Thor The Dark World. Okay. So my worst of the worst was Captain America, Iron Man 3, and Ant-Man and the Wasp. I'm going to say Iron Man 3. Actually, because of the very thing that we just talked about with the, the Mandarin, the, the Mandarin, twist. yeah, I that really disappointed me. See, I I went with Thor: The Dark World because you have said one of the reasons you use to rank your movies is the ability to rewatch them. Right. I have tried to rewatch <laughs> Thor: The Dark World, and I can't do it. Yeah, it's pretty bad. So, like, mm-hmm. I've tried. I've started this movie two or three times, and I cannot make it. Really, I can't make it. I think they get to Asgard somewhere in the middle. He takes Jane to Asgard. I never make it that far. Okay. I will say one thing that that jumps out at me in my worst three movies. uh, They were all sequels. So my worst three movies were Iron Man 2, Thor 2, and Guardians 2. Mm -hmm. So I wonder if that's... I mean, obviously not all of the sequels are, are bad. No. But my worst movies were the worst sequels. Hmm. In Interesting. My, in my opinion. Yeah, very good. It, was that it? Or did yeah, you that, have something that else? wraps up um, what I have for the MCU in review. Very good. So, wow. I mean, thanks for all the listeners who sat through this with us. Yeah, and thank you for those that uh, gave us feedback and actually Absolutely. Uh, gave thank us you. some some ideas uh, for the for the superlatives and, and uh, gave us some ideas on where we need to go. Hope if, you enjoyed it. Yeah, if there are any opinions or superlatives we have between the two of us that you vehemently disagree with or think we were spot on, please let us know. We would love to have your feedback. Yeah, honestly, if you really do disagree with us, please like let us know that you disagree with us. We don't care. Yeah. That's part of what yeah. makes this podcast work is yeah. because half the time we don't agree with each other. But I would be I would be very intrigued as to why you disagree with us. Yes. So I would love to know if you do, but I would love even more to know why. Yes. So please uh please comment all of your 
MCU thesis statements and five paragraph essays. <laughs> MLA format. Going hard, going full high school on this. Yeah. Um, so, John, how can they contact us? How can they contact us? Yeah. Well, Jay, we uh, we have a Facebook profile or page for the podcast, facebook.com slash they didn't ask us. Yes. Which is where we reached out for uh, superlative ideas. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, the two people who commented got name-dropped on the pod. There you go. So there's so, more um, encouragement. Yeah, we, we would definitely relish uh, fan interaction. Um, we also have email, they didn't ask us at gmail.com. Yes. And you have said pre- uh, previously, we can be left audio messages. Yes, if you want to contact us and leave your beautiful voice... You can go to anchor.com slash they didn't ask us. When you go on there, you can leave a uh, voice message and then we can listen to it and then even incorporate it into the broadcast. And then uh, we can answer those questions. So very exciting. I hope that you will uh, listen to us and join us. Please share with your friends. If you like what we're doing, share us, tell everybody about us. We want... All the listeners that we can get. Uh, of course, that's not our goal here. We're just doing it for fun. But hey, if other people want to listen to us too, that's awesome. Also, we, we're trying to grow the brand. So. We are. So uh, please share and like. And uh, until then, I've been John. <laughs> I'm glad you're still John. It's true. I'm, I'm still Jay. Excellent. All right. Nerd out. See you all next time. Thank you for joining us on this week's episode of They Didn't Ask Us. If you have any comments, questions, or concerns, you can reach out to us at theydidn'taskus at gmail.com. You can also reach us on our social media. Our newly created Facebook account, facebook.com slash theydidn'taskus. While you're there, uh, feel free to like our posts, follow our page, and share our content with your friends. We'd love to have you. Check back with us in two weeks to hear more ramblings and opinions from your new favorite podcast.